0: So 40 days of fasting are followed by 50 days of feasting. The Easter season being 50 days, it outdoes, it triumphs over the 40 days of fasting. And more specifically, there's eight days that we celebrate the one day of Easter, the octave of Easter, to, to kind of bask at the glory more of, of the resurrection, to deepen our understanding and just kind of sit with the mystery more, to have it go deeper. And the, the final day of the octave of Easter, which is today, John Paul II, a number of years ago, instituted be, being Divine Mercy Sunday. So really mercy to get at another corner of the mystery of the resurrection and really just what it's all about. There's a sentence in the Catechism that, just, that says, All of Scripture, everything can be summed up, of the, that is the revelation of Jesus Christ, of God mercy to sinners. And with it being Divine Mercy Sunday, I want to give, share with you one of the more powerful stories of mercy that I've ever heard. I ran across it a year and a half ago now, and it's a story of Rudolf Hess. Now there's another Rudolf Hess that those that have gone through the Rescue Project know that the last episode in the Rescue Project, Father Ricardo talks about Rudolf Hess, who was second in command of Hitler. So you had Hitler, and then this other Rudolf Hess. This Rudolf Hess that we're talking about here—he was the commandant in Auschwitz. And so we know the, the 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 tragedies that were that took place in the concentration camps throughout World War II, and none of them being as bad and gruesome as what happened at Auschwitz. This man, this this man was in charge. Of it. It was said that he was the presider of somewhere around maybe three 3 million deaths. So Wrigley Field holds about 40,000 people. So that's that's filling up Wrigley Field 75 times. And just the mass murder of, of 75 times. That's pretty much every home game of the Cubs this entire season. The man was known as, his nickname were those that survived Auschwitz. They called him the Animal. With the, the deaths that he ordered the guards to do and the, the tortures that he ordered to do. One day he, he ordered the guards to travel to Krakow and to take all the Jesuits, Jesuit priests within a community to take, take them to Auschwitz and have them killed. He took all the Jesuit priests there in that community except for one. That one priest wasn't there that day. He was the, he was the superior and his name Father Vladislav, and Father Vladislav, after he comes back the next day and he sees his entire community gone, and then he finds out what happened to them, that they were taken to Auschwitz to be killed. He was so overcome with with grief and, and, and the pain, he he went to Auschwitz. Now, you't you don't nobody goes to Auschwitz. He goes to Auschwitz, breaks into Auschwitz, and upon breaking into Auschwitz, the guards capture him, and they, and they bring Father Vladislav before Rudolf Hess. And Father Vladislav says, You just took my entire community. Know that I'm the superior. Take me, too. And Rudolf Hess was so disgusted. He was so perturbed by this man's love for his brothers that he, he, he sent them away. He said, I'm not going to kill you. Get out of my camp. And so he was, he, was, he was shooed out of the camp. World War II ends, and Rudolf Hess was found guilty of the worst crime that one can be guilty of. Was the, he was sentenced guilty of the crime on humanity. And he was sentenced to death to be hung at Auschwitz. But before being hung at Auschwitz, he had to wait in prison in Poland, in a town that many of the family members that were killed in Auschwitz lived. And Rudolf Hess, he wrote that he, wrote that he wasn't afraid of dying, but he was terrified of spending time in that prison. He wasn't afraid of dying but he was terrified of the torture that he knew awaited him by the guards. Many of the guards had family members that were killed in Auschwitz. And so his time there in the prison, after he goes there, the guards, to his surprise, he wrote, treated me with the utmost kindness. And it was, it really, uh, uh, Rudolf Hess was baptized Catholic, was raised by very strict parents, and had then denounced the faith and left the church and left the faith, it was the moment of being treated with love and kindness that his heart began to change. And he repented of his sins. And he ended up asking and begging for a priest to come to hear his confession. And the guards told them they would try, but they, they couldn't find a priest to come. To hear his confession. You have to remember that the, the wounds still were so fresh of, of, of what had taken place and they had trouble finding a priest to come. And he said, he says, I know a priest. A priest popped in his head, that Jesuit priest that stood before behold- him a couple years earlier, who he let go, Father Vladislav. He says, I know a priest. Go find Father Vladislav. And so he was at the time, Father Vladislav, in Krakow. He was, he was a chaplain at the Divine Mercy Shrine. And Father Vladislav said, okay, I'll go. And F- F- Father Vladislav goes and hears his confession, Rudolf Hess's confession that just went on and on and on. And then he gave him absolution. Your sins are forgiven. Rudolf Hess you animal, your sins are forgiven. Someone, someone put it this way it's, it's, as if, it's as if at this moment Jesus is taunting Satan, saying, Even this man you can't have. Even this animal you can't have. The blood that pours forth from the cross washes upon him too. He's mine. This animal is mine. He came back the next day. Father Vladislav came back with the Eucharist to give to Rudolf Hess after he had heard his confession. And one guard witnessing, he says, one of the most beautiful things he'd ever seen, this man, Rudolf Hess, on his knees like an animal, but also, he says, like a little boy with tears in his eyes receiving the Eucharist. After his confession had been heard. Right before his death, it was a week before he, he, his, he was hung, he, he wrote an open letter and he asked for it to get published in the, in the Polish newspaper in the community. And they did. They did publish it in the newspaper. And in, in his open letter that went in the newspaper, Rudolf Hess says this I know what I did, I know how great is my sin and my guilt. But God forgave me. Now I ask you, the Polish nation, to forgive me as well. I hope you can do it. Divine mercy. Like, if, if, we're, if we're sitting here, if any of us are sitting here, like, and there's a part of us, even a little part of us that says, well, like, like not him. He, sh- he shouldn't have been forgiven. If that's us, if we have a little bit of that in our heart, then, then we don't get it. We don't fully, we have not yet fully got it. We don't get divine mercy. We don't get really the cross, the resurrection, and the victory. Mercy is not natural. It's divine. Mercy is supernatural. None of us deserve it. We can't merit it. We can't earn it of what's been given to us and what the cross is and what the resurrection accomplished, none of us deserve it. And maybe maybe even if there's any of us here this morning who, who were with us last weekend at Easter and were maybe tiptoeing back a little bit, like know that that, hear that message, hear that truth and hear that reality of the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and what is offered to us, every one of us. God's mercy is unimaginable. His forgiveness is unimaginable. And really, our life then becomes a matter of us continually and habitually receiving his mercy into our failures. That's what happens in our gospel today. Jesus shows up to who? To a room full of failures. He shows up, his resurrected Christ shows up into a room full of failures who have miserably failed with denying Christ. And he asks them to then extend it. He institutes the sacrament of confession, but he institutes and he invites all of us to extend it. So like like the question I think for us to sit with on this Divine Mercy Sunday is first to really have that Divine Mercy soak into us more. But then also it's a question of how easily do I extend it? Like when I've been wronged, either even slightly or greatly, how like what's my disposition in receipt in giving and extending the mercy and forgiveness because mercy's everything it's everything and so stories like this and i think i mean all of us have family members who are away who have mm-hmm. who have fallen away it's a great reminder that that god is the one who changes hearts he's the one who changed and worked on the hearts of the guards that day that that was with rudolph hess he's the one that that, that changed the heart of rudolph hess to have him come to repent of his sins and to turn to god in the spot of begging for mercy that should give us so much hope and as we heard last sunday peter the the last word peter gives up in his homily he says jesus christ is risen and he offers us forgiveness of sins To receive his mercy, it's not natural. It's divine. It's divine mercy. And he offers it to every one of us here today. And he needs us to extend it to those who are longing to receive it.